Welcome back to BNBFC. I'm Brett. This is Brian. And in today's episode, we're going to go through the weekend's Premier League fixtures and today's Champions League fixtures because Arsenal and United both finished off their groups. Uh, and then we'll look forward into this upcoming week's weekend fixtures. Some spicy uh, news awesome. news at the top of the table because the I, I think all... Uh, Teams in the top five are all, you know, two points uh, apart from each other. Four points, I think, max. So that's exciting. You know, it's not exciting being a Manchester United fan. Now, Manchester United, nil. Bayern Munich, one. Are we doing Premier League first? No, we're doing, we're doing Champions League first. I don't care. It just happened. And I want to talk about the pain, which is Manchester United. What did you think of the Champions League today, Brian? Takeaways? You know what? It looked like a friendly. It looked like both teams didn't have it and didn't have any urgency, and really only one of them had the right to not play with urgency. Was in Manchester United. <laughs> uh, look, yeah, look, pedestrian. Look, looked sluggish. It didn't look like it looked like these two looked like because you would imagine the last game of the Champions League 10, 15 years ago. You would assume, oh yeah. The, United's got first and Bayern's got second or vice versa and they're both qualified and they're both just going out there trying to keep their players uh, healthy and not suspended for the next game. Um, yeah, it didn't, wasn't, wasn't vintage Bayern Munich. It didn't have to be. They weren't the ones that needed to take the initiative. United were. They didn't. Anthony was lucky to stay on the pitch. That, looked that guy bad. sucks. He's so bad. Did you see the storm? Yeah. No, but he's just bad altogether. He loses his head. He he makes rash challenges and he offers nothing offensively. And it's like, how is this guy on the field and Sancho's not? So you can be horrible at playing football. You can allegedly beat your girlfriend. And as long as you didn't as long as you didn't call Ten Hag a name, you keep your spot. Ridiculous. Anyways, keep going with your analysis. Yeah, I don't know. It was not something you wanted to see. You wanted to see some spirit, if anything. That didn't seem to exist. <laughs> what did you think of the goal? Like, uh, just like, okay, don't go to the goalkeeper for right now. But like, what did you think? Like, did you know? Like, as far as a team, what did you notice about that player? If you noticed anything. I don't know. It's 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 one of those games. I think too, where just that one hint of absolute quality shone through, and and Harry Kane's little pass to Coleman, I think, was yeah, that scored the goal. I just find when it was like a lot of these bouncing arounds, it's United looked like they were just lethargically um, tackling, and like it just seemed like a little bit of a ping pong, and then no, nobody had the urgencies to trying to stop it. It was almost like once Coleman was through, everybody stood still. And it just looks like a team that's stunned and has no idea what to do. Yeah. Well, even Onana, not that... Onana, what's my name? Given, if you look at the where he was at the time, excuse me, the shot was taken, he had no chance. But he literally was on the line. Like, he, he could have closed the angle down a little bit. Like, it wasn't a beautifully placed finish by Coleman. It was... Like if you if you're charging and getting out there because he took a touch it and he's not yeah. taking it first time so there's an opportunity to close the angle down. Maybe yeah, he you didn't get, come out at all. Maybe he... you get it. And, and really for the nature of what he is as a keeper, you expect 
sweeper keepers to do that sort of thing. Like I could see De Gea not doing that and then sticking out his foot and saving it. <laughs> I don't know if it was savable, but given I think Onana didn't do himself any favors in terms of you know positioning in that one because it was just bland how much space you get, how much space that player had. United's line not safe either in terms of you know being organized in that in that moment. Now, um, we're just gonna we're gonna change this episode up a little bit because we're gonna, we're just gonna talk about United. We'll go to the Premier League and all that, and then we'll we'll come back to Arsenal, and then we'll go to the weekend fixtures. But I just want to say, like Ten Hag, he fired somebody that could save the Titanic. And now he's he's just sinking on the Titanic right now, going down with the ship. Who did he fire? David De Gea. Okay? David De Gea, I think, like, okay, there's no excuse. Like, is, there's, there's all these pro Ten Hag people, and, like, and they always, they always go, well, look at the time that Arteta got with, with them and shit like that. But I, I honestly do not think that, our, that Arsenal was as bad, not points-wise, like position in the table, yes. But actual performances, like this, is some horrible, horrible performances. Yeah, the the results didn't go Arsenal's way, but there it didn't take long to see. Like the players, Arteta never lost the dressing. There was never yeah. as many questions around him losing the dressing room. It always looked like there was more effort involved. Well, even it looked with, like there was a style of play involved. Even with Unai. When he was playing with our with uh, Arsenal or coaching Arsenal, like we used to watch this, and it was like watching Arsenal try to uh, play out from the back was, you know, I'd have to take anti anxiety pills. You know, Brian's a United fan, and he was watching these with me, and he's like, he feels secondhand anxiety watching, you know. But you could even tell, like, even though they're losing and they can't do it, you could go, I know what Unai's trying to do with this team. United's performances are flatlined, garbage performances. Even if they win, they don't play great. Yeah. And and there's a difference between not being able to click but trying. They don't even look like they're trying. Like it just looks very flat. People have given up, and there's still people that are like, I believe in Ten Hag. What, like what has he shown you to give you the little grasp? And I'm not. I don't well, like. That, well. Nothing this year. Like there's glimpses of it last year. Yeah. But you expect the project to move forward, and it and it, and the most optimistic person in the room is going to say it, it just hasn't changed, and a realist is probably going to say it's it's declined in terms of quality. And and I think there's um, Ange coming into the the Premier League. I think has been good for the Premier League because you know one of his famous quotes is. Like, I can't stand when players, and, or not players, managers talk about, oh, I don't have the players to play the way I want. Just do it, mate. I think that's kind oh, of what he said. God, like, and then, you know, and like Tottenham, in the same way, they, they started off great, but then they hit some rocky roads, got back on track against Newcastle. But you can see there's there's a clear identity there, and, and it might not be the players that Ange wants, but he's thinking, this is how I want to play football. I'm going to try and make it work with what I have, and it's working okay. Yeah. Now, let's just switch gears. We're still on the United track. They they lost to Bournemouth 3-0. So it's like you think flat performance in the Champions League, 
you should not have to get motivated for a Champions League game where if you win, you have a Europe Europe spot. You just have to win. And you have to beat a team that's already through top of the group, has nothing to play for. But th- this weekend passed, Bournemouth, who are a terrible side. They, well, I'm not done defending United, but form-wise, I think they had taken three wins and a draw from their previous four. I'm not saying they're a great team. I don't, I don't care. Luton's been playing well, too, and I would have been absolutely yeah, but they, they have been got 10 points from their last four games. Okay, I have a question for the audience, you know, our eight listeners. Um, is it, with a club like Manchester United, is it is it is it better to, like, think about where you're at and to accept that you're no longer a big side as far as, like, the, the standards? Not, like, you're still a big team and all that. I'm not saying that. It's just, like, some, some players are like, we're Manchester United. We should go into every game being, like, we can win any game or is it better to be like where we're at? We're not at the level to compete with certain, like certain teams because like the Manchester, uh, Manchester United, I know, and say where my arsenal is right now when they almost lost, when they almost drew to Luton three, three, like I was fuming in that game and Luton was coming off some good performances, but it's still like teams like Luton, like West Ham, even though West Ham's playing decent, like Everton, like I just don't accept losing to them this year. And you're you're at the point in your Ma- Manchester United fan uh, season right now, going, well, Bournemouth's been on a good run of games here. They're Bournemouth. They are. So, like, wh- which side of the coin is better to look at it where you're at and say, oh, oh we'd be lucky to get a oh Luton's a tough game coming up. We better be on our you know. Or is it better to be like, we should never lose to this team because our standard should be up here? Well, it, it depends as a fan and you're not wanting to get hurt. You assume the first thing you said. If you're, like, <laughs> if you're a player, you want to assume that the the last thing you just said, that they shouldn't go. And, and real, like a, a team that many people thought was going to be relegation threatened, you're playing at home as you know, you, like, you should still be a clear favorite. And that's, I'm not saying that, you're only a clear favorite because you think you're this massive team. Any established Premier League team with a significant amount of financial firepower should go in as firm favorites against a team like Bournemouth. Yeah. Like whether so whether you agree that United's mid table top six yeah. should be a title contender or whatever. But the thing that makes me think about this was these are players we're bringing in on transfers that contributed, you know, in big teams or could have went to big teams and been stars maybe or done yeah. much better like it's if you look at if you just look at strictly in the united bubble and look at their performances this year maybe it's overly ambitious to think that they have a chance of doing anything but you look at the players they brought in what they might have done in another team how much money they're coming in for you'd expect more well it's one of those things that i don't know it's it's hard as a united like i'm not a united fan but it's just hard to look at it and say, what is the balance? Should we just admit what we are and try to rip off the bandaid and then rebuild? Or is it, or is it better to say our standards are up here. You have to get rid of the players that aren't where they are. It's, it's kind of like having that, like, um, you know, high expectation, but a little bit of delusion. Is that better? Or is it, 
or is having that like realist approach, but at the same time, it's like lowering your standards. Is it better? Because I can't dream of a, of a day when Manchester United is like a fan of Manchester United saying, well, Hey, no, you know, Bournemouth, you know, they've been a good team in their last three games. You know, that's, Seems like a sad day to me. But the thing, I'd like to be a fly on the wall in a strategic planning meeting that goes on amongst the, the big decision makers at Old Trafford. Cause they don't care. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hear me, if they're going into this thinking that, okay, our goal here is less about the on-field performances and more about the commercial side, they've hit it out of the park the last 10 years. Yes, they have. So, like, if, if that's what they're going off of, they've been wildly successful. Uh, but... How long does that continue? Eventually, the, if the team keeps being poor, you know it's not. It's it's gonna. There's gonna be less commercial money probably coming in. So there's a balance, and you think like they can only ride on the reputation that the Manchester United had, still has, however, wherever you are yeah. on that side of the scheme from Sir Alex's time into them not being able to produce as much money, and maybe when that hits them on the head, they'll start rethinking things. And that's not that. This is the very devil's advocate because it's the worst case scenario for a fan that they're just wanting to make money. Mm-hmm. But United commercially has been way more successful in the last ten years than they were when Sir Alex was there. Oh, one hundred percent. The only thing that I worry about is like with the fans' perspective is like with rivals and things. Like, I mean, considering we'll get into Arsenal's game this weekend, but like Liverpool can pass you. Like it, it's getting dangerously close that Liverpool will just be like heritage. Why will be bigger than United? Yeah, that's well. Like, I think they're tied right now, but yeah. uh, European heritage is on the side of Liverpool. Yeah, Premier League soon to be potentially. It looks like yeah. like, like Liverpool yeah. look like they might win in the next. Like if you think of uh, if you think the City run is over and then it's a, a race that Liverpool and and Arsenal are the teams that are gonna assume the ascendancy to challenge that it's it's quite reasonable to think sometime in the next few years Liverpool can win again. I don't see United winning anything for a whole generation of players pretty much coming in and out, which is probably like eight or ten years, depending on how things go. Yeah, it's it's scary. Speaking of that though, because we wouldn't have been talking about this, but Arsenal versus Austin Villa. We'll get into Arsenal's Champions League game, but it we swore on that run. Arsenal lost 1-0. Where is Arsenal's stars? Where is Arsenal's stars? Brian. How much is, I think I talked to you about this in person when we were when we were watching the game. Like are we not do we giving like how much credit are we giving Villa in this? They're coming off the you know, two one nil victories over the two two of the top teams in the Premier League and stifling each of those teams offensively to some degree. Like, everyone was quick to think, oh, Man City only got two shots against Villa. What a master class. But now are you are you of the side that, that Arsenal should have just been better? Well, here's the thing. I, I think... Like, how much credit are we giving Villa? Okay, here? here's the thing. And this sounds biased, but I'm going to say this. I think Villa versus City, Villa looked clearly like they were the, the team up for it. Like, they looked like they were stifling them, and they were um, predominantly the one in the ascendancy and with the majority of the chances. Like, they looked in, tr- in, in control of the game. 
Arsenal, for the most of the game, looked like they were in control. For, for most of the game. There is like little bits and pieces, but I think Odegaard, Odegaard for sure missed two chances. But one of the things that I don't, like, do you give credit to Villa? Because this has been happening, but it just looks like, like Martinelli is looking like he's um, not as dangerous as he was last year. Like he's not taking on as many people. Saka is struggling. I just said Odegaard can't, that missed two sitters, in my opinion. There is one where, you know, Brian was even standing up and saying, you got to do better there, Odegaard. Like, it was one of those, like, how do you miss that? But, um, I don't know. It just, I think that Arsenal deserved more from that game. Whether or not they should have won that game, I think they for sure, there was a, um, what was it? There's two instances that I feel like the referee um, I think, da- uh, what's his name? David, no, not David Louise. Who's the other? The rap? No, 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 the player. Douglas Louise. There is an instant, instance where, I don't know, I felt Douglas Louise should have got a, um, it never amounted to anything, but it shut down the, the attack. But I feel like Douglas Louise had a couple of challenges that were yellow worthy that, that were the ref just said play on. And there's another one where, like the Havertz thing, that pisses me off because I feel like it was a handball on the falling down Austin Villa player first. Like not an incidental one, but it bounced off his hand and then bounced off Havertz's hand incidentally. So it's just like if you're going to call Havertz for handball there, I don't understand how you can't call handball on the Villa player because it hits the Villa. But I think neither of them are handball. Like if you're if you're diving into the net trying to get a block and it hits you in the forearm and your hands are down by your side, I don't necessarily think that's that should be a penalty for Arsenal. But then also it's a double ricochet and Havertz's hands are right beside his sides as well. You have to think why is that a handball? So there's just a couple things where I don't think Arsenal deserved to win, but I did think that Austin Villa definitely deserved to beat City, if that makes sense. So, well, I, mean, I don't think that's in question, but it's just a matter of how much. I think you give Villa a lot of credit. I just think in the Arsenal Villa game, I think Arsenal were waste more wasteful than than Villa outplaying. However, Villa manages games very very well, so you have to give them credit. Like our, the thing that I'll give credit about is they absolutely deserve to be in the spot that they're at. But just in that game, I thought Arsenal didn't do enough. And we'll talk about the Champions League with Arsenal. It was a nice professional performance against PSV, and it was just a nothing game. And Katia scores. The guy just knows how to score a, a lot of goals when it doesn't matter. You know, he's like the Carabao Cup's leading scorer. You know, it's it's just a joke. <clears throat> you know, where's Thierry Henry's shirt? It's, it's, it's a nightmare. But anyways... Uh, let's move on. Unless you have something to add about the Champions League with Arsenal, it's just a nothing. No, I, I think the the bit of controversy about the the Premier League game and the and the handball is that there's there's definitely a tendency from refs that the benefit of the doubt is always going to the defending team, and the ball's bouncing around like that. Do you think? But like like just like shot for shot, like do you think it was a re- like just like I know why like because it is the benefit. For the defending team, but like, do you think that it was a handball? I 
I think the referee put no. himself into a position where he had yeah, to, no, where no, no, he no. had to uphold I what don't, the call was on the pitch. Yeah, I don't care about what the referee. Do you think it was a handball or not? I think the call would have stood either no, way. No, no. Do you think it was a handball? Yes or no? I I do actually. Okay, then that's fine. Like, I think. But like, it's interesting no. from a from a referee's perspective. Are you like I I I kind of subscribe to the idea that you like play on, don't make the call, <sighs> and let and then go to VAR and check yeah. it out. Because I like, I think we've I've talked about this many times. There's a a certain reluctance to feel like what is clear and obvious. Like for me, yeah. clear and obvious is. is 51% is clear and obvious. If it's if you look at this in slow motion without knowing, you shouldn't take into consideration what the call was on the, the pitch. Yeah. Especially when you've got people as idiotic as the referees <laughs> in the Premier League. Yeah. So there's there's always... The, so that's why I feel like if you had a system where clear and obvious was just 51% or make the call as if you... Without taking into consideration what was made on the pitch, you let the boys play, see what unfolds, and then you go back and check. Yeah. I, I just... Like for me, like I'm fine with it being a handball, but it, it's just one of those things where it's why can a falling player to try to stop the ball from getting out of the net block it with his forearms, whether it was intentional or not, the hands are down there. That's not regarded as a handball. But anyway, it's just, it's not that I'm mad. mad I mean, I'm disappointed with the result, but it's it just, you're more frustrated every week where the calls are so inconsistent everywhere. Not necessarily that handball, but it's just like, there's lots of yellows that are given and not given and are yellows up to the referee's discretion. Yes. But it's, it's things it's getting sick and tired. And there's a referee actually in the news that I saw a coach ran onto the field and decked a referee in the face. Oh, that, was the, that was the chairman of the club. Oh, the chairman. Yeah. Of, yeah. He punched a ref. So it's like, it's a volatile thing right now. And we don't condone anybody punching referees. They have a hard job to do, but it's such a polarizing topic right now because you just see so many missed calls or calls that you think are unjust. So speaking of, I mean, unjust, this is absolutely just, and I love it. You love it. We love to see it. You can spend as much money as you want, or you can make it rain as much as you want at the strip club. At the end of the day, you're still bringing home a hooker. Okay. And what we have is Chelsea football club losing to Everton two nil. And my goodness, is that not beautiful? Chelsea were pathetic. Reese James, pathetic. This is, here's, this is the worst thing. Of all the excuses, Pochettino has 90 minutes to come up with an excuse about why they lost. And he points about how they need more players. Oh, I know. It's it's so, like, imagine saying that you need more players when you're Chelsea. It's They have the biggest roster. They have the most, they have the most, um, premium dollar players in the Premier League on a team and you need more players. It's th- Here's the thing. I get proven right every week that Chelsea play. That Pochettino is out of its depth. I have no idea why people... Even even his old... Okay, everybody knows expressions from YouTube probably that watches football. He's a Tottenham fan. Even him, he's like... He doesn't see how Pochettino was a world-class manager anymore. Like, he kind of looks at him like... You know, I don't know what I was seeing or what was going on. Maybe it was the squad, but he just, he doesn't do anything that's groundbreaking. It's not like he's changing the game with his formations or what, like, it's just, so I don't know where you go from, from here with Chelsea because they're losing to Everton. 
and their strategy just got taken away in the transfer market. Oh, yes. So Premier League clubs voted in favor of maxing out transfer fees over five years. And as we know, Chelsea, a lot of their dealings, and these dealings don't be effective if they've done in the last year to bit or whatever, Todd Bowley took over doing 10-year contracts, spreading the transfer fee. So now it's a maximum of five years instead of whether it was 10 or limitless, yeah. whatever it was before, more in line with UEFA's rules. So Chelsea will have to navigate that new system. I'm sure the vote was 19 to 1. <laughs> Probably. I mean, it's a good, I think it's good for football that you limit it that way because then it doesn't let, doesn't let, let rich teams, like obviously there's a window to let uh, teams with no money be able to pay more money for a player and not be affected by it. But at the same time, it, anything that you do to benefit a lower level team financially, you're going to see a bigger team with more money be able to take advantage of that more. So I think it's good to limit that in some regards. So you think it's good? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I do worry about little teams like being able to, or smaller teams being able to kind of be competitive when the, when it makes sense and within within their FFP to to do so. And I don't know how. I I don't. I'm not a financial lawyer in terms of how this works, but you know why not? If, if why not charge interest or something in some capacity if if fees are going to be yeah. over the years like. You know, like I have to, we have to pay interest on our vehicles. I mean, I, I don't know how that's probably, that's probably uh, ambitious of me to say, because it is worked in that the, that they've spread out and I think all parties have signed it and whatever, but yeah. it, it kind of it makes, yeah, I don't want to see little teams, smaller teams get left behind, but I don't want to see it overly exploited by the bigger teams trying to make the gap bigger. Yeah. Weird things. Well, Let's go to get on. We actually have some time for the weekend fixtures. Usually we only have like 30 seconds oh, to no. do the weekend fixtures. It's a big game. Here's the thing. <laughs> the moment Ten Hag's job's on the line, United's going to pull off a win to the, to the detriment of themselves in the long term. But I could just see, like, I, I could literally see, like, if, if Ten Hag was told, um, you've got to win this game or you're out, He's gonna win it, and it's not into. It's not because that. It's not gonna be a great performance. It's not going to be a. Because of that, it's just a. Is it, we've seen that with some manager. I was always thought that with Scholzkar always seemed like one game away from getting sacked, and he and he pull it off, and yeah. and he make like I actually think United's gonna win this game. Got it. And it, for the audience, it's it's Liverpool versus Manchester United, and it is at. It's at Anfield. Oh, it's an F. It's over for you. You think so? No, it's, no, no, it's no, over. No, 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 I don't no. care. <laughs> I think United would have a better chance at that. And just by the logic of you, what's going to hurt United the most, winning this game. Brian, here's the thing. There's there's a couple of things in life, okay? Evolution exists. The world is not flat. And Manchester United will not win at Anfield this weekend. Okay? that It's just a clear fact of life. Okay? And... It's one of no, these. No, I just want to be clear. Yeah. Me saying that United, I don't think, like I think this is a net loss for United because it's gonna give them yeah. false hope and prolong. Like if oh. United were doing, if United were top of the table right now, they'd get flattened. I think. Now here's but the thing. Here's the thing. I just want to say how romantic or how poetic this. If if Liverpool absolutely smash them, and Ten Hag loses its job, 
and then Liverpool goes on to win the Premier League. Just like how much that just mimics Liverpool from smashing United um, on all levels of football. And so it's just a, it's just so crazy that this could happen. I hope there's another, um, God, I don't know. I'm just excited for this game. Liverpool's playing really well right now in Manchester United. So all the voodoo is in United's favor. Yeah, because, that's what I mean. But I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. What, what's your score prediction in this game? 2-0, Manchester United. Oh, God dang it. Holy shoot. I think Bruno being out is going to be a real positive. I think you're going to get leadership from people like McTominay and things like that. You're you're high. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, 3-1 Liverpool, and I think it's going to go – I think it's going to be – and I think, I think United will score first, and then it will be three unanswered. By uh by Liverpool, I can either see it going that way or I could just see a decimation by Liverpool. But anyways, I just want to give them the little, like I feel like me and Brian, if we get up watching this game together, I think it's gonna be one of those cases of, um, Brian gets all excited and he's like, "Oh, the voodoo's in line," because you know Rashford scores in the first seven minutes, and then the rest of the game is really long. That's the one thing I could literally and never in a yeah. million years seeing is Rashford's. <laughs> What's your prediction for Arsenal Brighton though? Because that one, that game's just it's not as important. It is what it is. Yeah, I don't know. Two one, two nil, two nil Arsenal. I think two one Arsenal. Ray has a habit of giving one up easy, so that's what I'll say. Well, that's it for today. We'll see you in the next one.